Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion Team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 59. Jed Hoyer on 670 The Score. I'm Dustin Rhodes, Executive Producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. Or, of course, your radio home for all things Cubs baseball. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, welcome in. How was the holiday? You know, Dustin, I'm kind of surprised. I'm happy I didn't find a Carlos Correa under my tree. So, uh, you know, no complaints <laughs> there. <laughs> if you would have, it would have had a broken uh, a broken leg or something like that. So we'll get into Carlos before we uh, wrap up season, uh, season one, episode 59. But let's talk about Jed Hoyer on last week with Mully and Haw. It was the uh, uh, Haw... Mully and Hall were there. It was Zach Zaidman in for David Haw and uh, talking about the Cubs offseason plan. Let's let's get into it, Crowley. Yeah, you know, Jed has been pretty tight lipped. Jed Jed kind of, you know, Theo was the same way. They didn't talk much, right? And they, they, they let their moves do their talking. And so for those of us that are that are, you know, following everything, we kind of get more panicky because we don't know anything. Uh, you know, they, they're not going to show their hand. And so it was interesting to hear what Jed had to say, considering all the ups and downs of, we've talked about this before, to me, one of the most critical off seasons for the Cubs organization in a very long time. So we do have some audio clips on the, uh, from the Mully and Haw show. And so, you know, Jed was pretty honest about his takes on here. And in and, and this first clip right here, Jed's talking about some of the holes that he recognizes in I the know, Cubs certainly line. Certainly we have um, the holes left on the roster. I think that it's fair to say that the, you know, the big blocks are, are in place that we're going to add this, this off season, you know, but um, certainly uh, we have some, some additions that, that we need to make to, to certain areas of the team. And so, yeah, we were, yeah, we're, it's not going to be a, it'll hopefully be a quiet Christmas, but it's not going to be a quiet Christmas break. We'll still be working and, 
you know, it's been been really nice from from my perspective. It's been a really fast free agent market, uh, which I think is um, it's just appealing for us. And we this is what it used to be like. And then we had this I don't know eight ten year period when everyone decided that it was you know uh, January was a new December and we we're all going to sign late. And um, so I think it's been a fast moving market. I think it'll continue to do that. And you know, I'd love I'd love nothing more than having a sense of you know all the pieces in place or, or has a sense that we're, we're pretty much um, completed, you know, by, by, you know, mid January or so, because I do think that there's something to that as opposed to, you know, having players wandering in during, during spring training. I think this is a much better way for the whole industry to go by this business. Yeah, no, certainly we have um, the holes left on the roster. I think that it's fair to say. So, you know, it, it's, he obviously knows there's holes in the roster. And so, you know, I was, some of the things that I thought about is him talking about how it used to be for a few years that January is when people were really starting making moves and sometimes into February. You remember that classic 2016 when, when the, the, the guys were all out on the field and they, and they bring out and Theo brings out uh, Dexter Fowler. Like they were already in camp. and, and They were Fowler already in camp when they brought him it. with, yep. You know, mm-hmm. when you – Right. And then you, you think about, you know, obviously you had the goof. Examples over the last few years where, the, you know, it, it hasn't it, it has got leaked into January and later into February. And it, it isn't good for the sport in general. I like how this offseason has moved. And I think that's kind of what caused the partial panic for some of us Cup fans because it, it moved quick. It, it was really you know, right after Thanksgiving, all the way. The other day about um, when we talked about Dansby Swanson, you know, he was going to call all the players. It's like these guys are getting to know each other before, you know, Cubs convention and before pitchers and catchers. They're starting to kind of get introduced to each other. So it's nice to kind of see the team Jed talked about some holes in the lineup still, and he realizes that. But as he said, the major pieces, the building blocks, they're in place. There's not going to be, in my opinion, another big splash move. Since the last time we talked, they find, you know, we talked the day we recorded last, Tucker Barnhart is your backup catcher to Jan Gomes. So it's going to be that uh, tandem of uh, Gomes and Barnhart. And then you have uh, Drew Smiley that was, was re-signed to the Cubs. And so they were able to work something out. And so the Cubs have their, you know, I think in this next clip, Jed's going to be talking about the need to add another starter and some bullpen pieces. And so, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that when he was talking about that, that was with Drew Smiley signing um, forefront in his head. So let's hear what Jed had to say about that. Yeah, well, we're, we're you know, in some discussions to add another, you know, another starter. And then um, obviously the, you know, when the bullpen, we'll, we'll, we need to add to the, to the bullpen. And I do think we have, a lot of really good young arms, um, both in w- with our team and uh, in the minors, and so I think that's a strength of ours. But you know, providing some stability and some some leadership back there is really important. I think that going you know entirely young in a bullpen can be risky. Uh, I do feel like you know bullpens are so so incredibly volatile, and you know in my experience, I think it's really really hard to you know go into an offseason and say we're gonna we're gonna build the bullpen with you know, multi-year deals, multi-year deals and, and big contracts. I feel like um, I personally would much rather spend those uh, those dollars on, you know, things I feel like, feel like provide more certainty, frankly, you know. And so 
we'll look to do what we've done, which is like you know, try to find guys we think we can improve, guys we think that you know can bounce back or we can make some changes to. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident we can uh, with our young pitching and, and and our infrastructure, we can build a good bullpen. Yeah, well, we're we're you know in some discussions. So I will say another, you know, another. I I will say honestly that they have really done a great job with a bullpen in the last however many years. Doesn't matter if the Cubs were in last place or in first place. They have done a fantastic job of piecing together a bullpen. And what what he says is true is that there are so many young arms that they have that that's great, but you also want a guy that can kind of be in charge of the bullpen, a guy to be the leader, the alpha dog, if you get what I'm saying, to kind of help these guys kind of, you know, learn about what it takes to be a professional and, and, and some of the struggles that they may endure and, it's it's really interesting how, you know, when you think about the last few years and the names, whether it's Ryan Tapera and Andrew Chafin and, and Craig Kimbrell, who I think just signed with the Phillies. And then after that, they, they, they had um, David Robertson and they had Scott Efros. And, and nobody was sitting there before the season last year going, Scott Efros is going to be a major contributor to the bullpen. And he turned out to be one of the best bullpen pieces they had. So whatever they're doing in the pitching infrastructure is working and so you know i am i'm i'm at i'm at the point where i'm wherever that's one area where i can just say to jed you know absolutely no worries at all and and let him do what he has to do you know what i mean absolutely what about andrew chafin would he be a guy that you'd like to see them possibly pick up maybe he helps you right now and or maybe he helps you get a piece down the stretch now obviously the cubs know the sheriff pretty well um, funny story. I'm at, uh, I'm in Mesa and, uh, I see Andrew Chafin for the first time. Like I said, that, that was, uh, before the 2021 season. So I'm in Arizona and I'm in the backfields and the, and the, all the bullpen guys are there. And a lot of the pitchers were doing, um, drills where the, you know, the fungal gets hit to him and they're throwing it to first and it's all a lot of fun, but I see Andrew Chafin. I'm like, who is this guy? Right? Like I know, I think he was with Arizona prior, you know, it's just not, you know, not somebody that you were really familiar with. And I, and I look at him and I said to him, I said, Hey, uh, you know, in my head, Dustin, I am still 23 years old. I keep forgetting that I am, I am closer to 50 than I am to 20. And so I said, Hey, Andrew, you know, Chafin, I said, you know who you look like? He says, who? I said, you look like Rod Beck. He says, who the hell's Rod Beck? Like, dude, the shooter, 1998. Come on, buddy. And he looks at me, he goes, I wasn't even born in 1998. I was like, oh, Christ, never mind. Come never on, wait mind. a minute. So, he wasn't, he no, wasn't Chapin's born in 98? <laughs> wow. He wasn't born in 98? Let me, let, let me, let me see. Let, I, I swear, if he was, he was very, very young. Let me put it that way. So if we take a look at Andrew Chapin, Andrew Chapin was, he's, he's a young guy. He just kind of looks a little bit older. You know what I mean? Andrew Chafin was born in, ah, I was wrong, 1990. So he would have been eight years old. Okay. So uh, I feel a little, I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit better because he, like he, he looks, yeah, he looks <laughs> way older. So yeah, he does look, that's a good, that's a good comparison. Good comparison by you. Right. So if he comes back, great. But I have a feeling that, you know, you know, Chafin's kind of proven his worth and I think he'll probably be looking for a bigger contract. Uh, than what the Cubs want to spend, but who knows, man? He had a lot of fun out here, and maybe maybe he'll decide to give it another world. But as I said, you know, it's Jed, take the wheel. I trust you with the bullpen, buddy. I uh, no worries. 
Now, um, obviously, last time you and I talked, we talked about how <laughs> we talked about how confident uh, we both were in Dansby Swanson from that awesome press conference, and we weren't the only ones to think it was an awesome press conference. Um, Jed Hoyer also was confident about it as no, well. No, he was great. I was actually just texting with him and just talking about how well he represented the Cubs and himself and his family. I thought he did such a great job, and it was a nice personal touch and. You know, I did feel throughout the uh, the negotiation, you know, I got the sense when we met with him that, you know, I think it was important to him. I think he had a real desire to be in Chicago. I think, you know, Wrigley and the you know Cubs fans in Chicago were really appealing to him. And I think that, you know, sort of living here with his wife, who he just married 10, 12 days ago, was appealing. And I didn't even know the, the grandfather story, but it felt like a, like this was a place that he had circled um, on the on the map. And, and that that to me is, it's really important. I think when you think about, um, we've all seen it when guys really want to go to a place, um, they're excited about their new destination. And I think they, they play well and they embrace it. And when there's struggles, they, they fight through them. I think sometimes you see it when a, a free agent goes to a place for the wrong reasons and you know maybe it wasn't the place he imagined. And I think that has a, a toll as well. So it's, it's always nice to to sign a player that you know. Uh, we circled him, and uh, he, sort of, he circled us, and that's a, that's a great fit. No, he was great. I was actually just texting with him and just talking about how well he represented. So, you know, looking at this right here and what he had to say here, uh, he didn't know about the story about the grandfather, which you and I were in tears about last time, and so that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, when he was talking about sometimes players go to – the wrong place for the wrong reason. And, and I know he wasn't intending this, but the first thing that went into my head was Dexter Fowler. I was like, oh, that was just, that absolutely just did not work out. And so I agree that that idea of being in the right place and, and, and for Dansby, I think, you know, he brought about his wife, Mallory Pugh, who plays with the Red Stars being here. And the fact that, you know, during their season last year, both, you know, their, each of their seasons, her with the Red Stars and him with the Braves, you know, they only got to see each other like once a month, even though they were engaged. And obviously that's not, you know, it's very hard to maintain a relationship when you never see each other. So I think being here, being with her, having the opportunity, I've, I've already seen on his social media, he's already talking about going to some Red Star games and cheering her on. I think he's just, it's going to be a good environment for him. The contract is not, you know, the crazy 300 million 10 year deal that like, you know, not, you know, it is a lot of money what he's getting paid. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll take even a quarter of what he's getting paid, but it's not like one of those gigantic deals where like, if he, if it's not what people expect, I just don't, I think it's, if Correa would have been here, the expectations would have been much heightened that he better perform. I don't feel the same way with Dansby. I, I don't know, Dustin, maybe you do or not. I don't know. No, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be fine. I, I have no. I have no concerns. I have no concerns at all. I, I. I thought his answer was great. I was shocked though that he was not uh, aware of the grandfather thing. I was surprised by that. But I. Right now, I feel really good about Swanson. There are some people. There are some people out there, and I want to get your opinion about this, Crowley. That are a little bit concerned that maybe he's being a little too. I'm the leader. Um, when he hasn't met these guys yet, like he's already coming in and kind of, you know, I'm going to tell Rossi when I want to play. I'm going to get everybody, you know, I can go four, I can go four for four, and if we lose, I'm going to be upset. Ask my wife. I'm not here to lose. 
and you got to be able to play every. There's a lot of guys that don't want to play every day, Crowley. There's a lot of guys that only plan on playing 120 games, not 162. And is that is he kind of is he coming in a little bit too big and puffy chested? There are people that are worried about that. Myself, I'm not, but curious your reaction to that. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Eh, everyone's always going to have a complaint about something, right? You know, is, is that, <laughs> you know, if he didn't do that, if if he, if he if he didn't if he didn't do that, then people would be complaining that he's kind of he's a loafer. You know, I'm taking a look in my Cubs cave and I see a picture of Aramis Ramirez, and a lot of times people would kind of get down on him for you know a lot of different reasons. So, if the reason that you know people are down on him is because he wants to be a leader and he demands that everybody work hard. I'll take that. You know what I mean? I'm fine with that. If people don't like that, I, it, it, to me, it's better than the guys that that really don't care are putting in 100% effort, you know? Yep, I take it for sure. That's I'm all for it. it. All for it. Now, the other person that we were excited about, the other person we were excited about signing was, that, uh, through his press conference was uh, Jamison Tyone. And... You know, there, there's, there's uh, in the audio, there was something in the press conference and in Jed's audio that I just absolutely love and we definitely have to talk about. So let's hear what there you have to say. There are players that will, that will sort of always, you know, go to the last dollar and that's their right, but there's also, you know, players that are, you know, really focused on fit or, 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 or you know, places they think they can really improve their career. And, and I got the sense with, with Jameis that he was definitely in that category that you know, he loved Chicago, uh, which I, I knew before that this was a really appealing place to him. And you know, I think from really the beginning, I think we looked at the starting pitching market and, and you know, we knew what we wanted, needed to improve offensively. And I feel like uh, looking at, at where he fit in the starting pitching market, he was really our, kind of our main target. Um, we you know, like the profile. I feel like he's been, he's been, you know, been in a major market. You know, he throws strikes. He feel like he's got, he's got good stuff. And we knew he had great makeup. And I was actually really bummed I couldn't be at that at that meeting actually had COVID and, and so I couldn't travel but um, anyone that knows Craig Breslow knows that you know when he can really engage when he can really engage someone on pitching he's incredible and uh, Jamison's really smart you know really thoughtful on pitching and uh, I wasn't surprised that they kind of pitching geeked out for you know a bunch of hours and um, I knew that went well um, so um, I think those personal touches are, are really important and, and listen like we we meet with a lot of players. Um, we don't sign all of them. We don't get all of them. But I think that even if you don't sign them, I think that that, you, that reputation um, follows you. I think that, you know, maybe that guy tells a teammate that he really enjoyed it or maybe that guy's a free agent two years from now and he remembers it. So, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't only think it's about you know, signing that particular player. I think that a lot of times it's about, I mean, you learn something every time and, I, I try to remember that too. That you know, it's the you know what you leave that player with, and it's also what you gain. I mean, we we met with a bunch of other players other than you know Damsey, other than Jamison, and I learned something in every meeting, and I think that's really valuable. There are players that will that will sort of. Always... 
So let me let me just say this. One guy that I'm hoping that we get on this show is Craig Breslow. And there are two guys, one on the hitting side and one on the pitching side. So Justin Stone is the name that you want to remember for the hitting side. And he's in charge of all the hitting all the way from top bottom. Craig Breslow is that on the pitching side. And what we've seen from the pitching side, obviously, I think is a little bit ahead of the hitting side. Not to say that the, the hitting side's not going to come around. But Craig Breslow is a name that within baseball is very highly regarded with a lot of people liking what he brings to the table and the way that the Cubs are organizing their pitching infrastructure. And so, as Jed said there, he had COVID. He couldn't go to the meeting. That, the plan was Jed's going to the meeting. And instead, it's Craig Breslow that has to kind of do that. You know what I mean? Which, you know, Craig Breslow's a pitching guy. He's not the one that's kind of selling you He's kind of the guy that Jed turns to and says, okay, Craig, say a little bit about, you know, what you think, right? So so Jed's not there. Craig's got to lead this thing. And what's supposed to be like a 30, 45-minute meeting turns into those two guys talking for two hours about pitching and geeking out about pitching. And so I think that that, that I'd love to have Craig Breslow on here, and, and hopefully we will soon, but he's a guy that I think – you know, sealed the deal to make sure that they got Jamison Tyone. You heard that, you know, last time we talked about the videos that were made and, and how the Cubs met in person. But that connection that Breslow and Jamison have is what really kind of cemented the deal. And I'm really, like I said, I think out of everybody, I'm very, very curious to see what Jamison brings to the table and what the Cubs can do to take Jamison Tyone to the next level. I agree. That was great. Good for Craig Breslow. Maybe that was a good sign of COVID. Kept uh, kept Jed out of the mix, and so the two of them could, as they said, geek out over it. Um, yes, and I'm really excited about Tyon as well. He, you know, maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the breakout guy that can end up at the top of next year's Cubs rotation. Now, speaking of another important pitcher, the last of the 2016 players on the roster Kyle Hendricks who again we haven't heard a lot about since he's gone down with injury uh I think it was May early June of last season and so you know Jed was asked how, how's he doing and the answer didn't make me very confident so he's in Arizona he's been working out really hard with our guys there which has been great they've got a nice group there that's been that's been working out at the complex every day um he's throwing um not long maybe not far distances but he's throwing right now uh, physically He's, he's doing really well and you know I think this is one where you know we're going to ramp him up slowly and um, you know our hope is that all the all the rehab stuff and all the straight thing he's done uh, really takes hold there's no way to, to know I mean certainly you know I think we we really want him to be a huge part of, of next year's team and, and, and going forward I mean he's as good a teammate and competitor as you're going to have um, but of course we also have to think about you know, if he if he can't, and I think that that's just that's our job is to you know you have to build real depth, and um, we're going to have injuries, we're going to have you know guys that struggle, and we have to be able to prepare for that. And I think last year, through the farm system and then through free agency, we didn't do that well enough. And I think early in the season, you know, at one point we were down Miley and Smiley, and Stroman was down for a while, and that was really when we fell you know way out of the race and. You know, that last year, I don't think we were going to compete for the division, but certainly we fell further behind 500 than than we imagined, and, it, and that was really due to pitching depth. So I really hope Kyle is healthy and, and himself next year. Uh, that would be wonderful, and that's our hope, but we also have to prepare if not. Yeah, so he's in Arizona. He's been working out really hard 
So, you know, a couple things that, that kind of stood out to me from that clip. Number one, it says that he's throwing, right? There's always this joke, you know, when, when you kind of sit there and they're flowing, throwing off flat ground. That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in you. The fact that you're not on a mound throwing makes me nervous. So he's throwing, you know, he's kind of gaining some strength. I was thinking at this point in time that he would be further along in the process. Now, again, we don't know all the details. We don't see the medicals, anything like that. But, you know, it, it's there's certain guys. Kerry Wood was a guy that was always throwing off flat ground, and we were supposed to be, you know, super excited about that. I'm trying to think of that reliever we got from the Dodgers that got injured when Joe Madden was around. He was another guy. Ah, he's throwing off flat ground great uh, you know what i mean if if pitching required just throwing off flat ground i'd feel much more confident you got to be on a mound and so i thought i thought hendrix would be further along than he than the way that jed made it sound what did you think about that dustin i, I agree not throwing far stands out to me not throwing far that bothered me and then we're going to bring him along slowly and he didn't say it once but twice slowly bring him along so th- th- that that stood out. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see Kyle Hendricks being the opening day guy. And the other thing is, with the depth that they do have, the the luxury is they really don't have to push him if that's not needed. So and I and I honestly, Crowley, I wonder Absolutely. that if he yeah. was right, I wonder if he was right, if he would have been a guy that would be shopped around during the off season during this time of year, if he was actually right. Well, even even with him not 100% right, you know, you've heard kind of whispers that he's available. Now, again, you're not going to get much for him, you know, right. with with the injury uh, situation right now. But but the one thing that Jed talked about, and it's absolutely true, is that when you lose anywhere, you know, when you lose three fifths, four fifths of your starting rotation, I don't care who you are, that's really difficult to overcome. And so when I think about the 2022 season and how Wade Miley never got started, Smiley was not really available until the second half. You had a stretch where, you know, um, that uh, they had injuries with Kyle Hendricks, obviously. And Marcus Stroman had a case of COVID and then he had a shoulder situation. And so I think about especially that time period of May to June, where they were just absolutely getting crushed. And it really did completely drop them out of the race. I don't know, you know, Jed, Jed wasn't right. That team wasn't winning much, but they shouldn't have been as bad as they were. That Especially that first half was difficult to watch. And then as some of the younger guys kind of got, you know, their feet under them a little bit, you started to have some surprises with Adrian Sampson, other guys getting called up later, like Hayden Wesnitsky, uh, you know, and Caleb Killiam and some guys. It, it started to get more fun and exciting, but yeah, the lack of depth the first half killed them last season, and I don't think we're going to see a repeat of that this year. No, I, I don't. I don't think so either. Crowley, let's get into some of the uh, let's get into some of the soap opera. That's always fun. There was a little there was a little Cubs soap opera supposedly going on, and uh, Jed Jed addressed that with uh, with the guys. Yeah, you know it's funny. I think that if if Jed has a New Year's resolution for Crane. It's talk less on these uh, on the Mully and Haw show because you know, look, Crane's Crane loves the Cubs. You know what I mean, and he wants them to be successful as well. But but again, Jed and Theo come from the don't say anything more than you have to camp, 
And so when you're start, you know, when you start saying, oh, you know, there's there's plenty of money and you can get plenty of players and hopefully this and that, it does put pressure on Jed. Jed had a plan and the plan luckily worked out. But, uh, you know, here's what they had to say as far as the soap opera was concerned. It really wasn't. I mean, it was just one of those distractions. I mean, I talked to Crane two or three times a day. We have a great relationship. There's no sense of, of tension. And, and to me, I think that's kind of what I was even alluding to before, that, you know, I had I, I briefed those guys all the time on on what's going on. And, you know, they knew, they knew, Crane knew that, you know, that Swanson was, we were, in good position that we were talking to them that there was real mutual interest and you know there was never any sense of like additional pressure or anything like that based on the comments so you know i felt like you know sometimes there's uh you know with, with these jobs there's a soap opera element to them and uh you know we have to do our best we have to do our best to uh, ignore that but uh, in the building in the building there was never any tension or any concern and like i said throughout the whole process i'm talking to crane and tom all the time and you know, we have a great relationship, and I think we're all in this together. I mean, we, you know, I think that, you know, as as you think about uh, the organization, you know, when, you know, you, you sort of win together, and then when 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 you have to, you know, you know, build a, build things back, you you do it together as well. And um, they've been really supportive, which has been wonderful. It really wasn't. I mean, it was just one of those. So no doubt about it. Like, you know, I know it irritated Jed. I, there, there's no way it didn't. It's kind of like, dude, what are, you, what are you doing there? Because as confident as he was about getting Dansby Swanson, that was no sure thing, Dustin. And if they did not get Dansby Swanson, if Dansby ended up signing with the Twins or something else, you and I are having way different conversations right now. Yeah, it's a totally different vibe. It's a totally different theme. There is no doubt about that.